You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Hi, welcome to CCEF on the Go. I am your host, Alistair Groves. I'm faculty here at CCEF. And today I'm actually speaking again with Mike Emlett. Uh, Mike, we didn't really know we were going to be doing this podcast today, but we got done our last podcast on addictions and realized there was so desperately much more we wanted to say that we couldn't hold ourselves back. So thank you for jumping back in with me again uh, today. Um, let me... Uh, encourage those of you who haven't had a chance to listen to the first half of this conversation to go back to our website or to wherever you get your podcasts and and download part one of our conversation on addictions. But um, we're going to be picking back up with a, a focus on how do we think about pastoral ministry, broadly defined pastoral, to folks struggling with addictions. What are some strategies, especially those of us who are, who are counseling formally or informally mm-hmm. with, with folks who struggle um, what are the kinds of directions that our, our conversations take in, in helping people to, to wrestle well in the face of addictions? So, Mike, you want to launch in with a couple things that are on your mind? Sure. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad we could pick up the uh, discussion. I think one of, the, one of the themes that I find really important, or uh, one of the directions to go uh, fairly early on um, with, with folks is to under, get an understanding help them in a sense to better understand what their what their experience is in the moment what they're thinking what they're feeling what they're what they're thinking uh, what their what their fears are because a, a lot of times uh, people who are struggling with addictions particularly if they're life dominating addictions aren't aren't very self-aware uh, in those in those moments and perhaps they're maybe more numbed out um, to experience in the now, or they're trying to, maybe they're experiencing anxiety in the moment, but are not really cognizant of why is that. Uh, and then they move to their, their substance of, of choice. So it's been, it's been helpful, I think, to have people begin to slow down, in a sense, wake up to, their, um, to the reality of their experience in the moment and then begin to connect that or begin to engage God in the in those moments. Can I make sure I'm following you, Mike? In mm-hmm. other words, your desire to connect them to what they're experiencing right here and right now is essentially an effort to identify the nature of the temptation and often I would assume the nature of the suffering or stress or discomfort that uh, tends to drive one toward an addiction. So, hey, right now I'm actually feeling anxious mm-hmm. would be a really helpful thing for an addict to be able to say because that would help them identify, aha, this is going to be the kind of thing that drives me to run away from my life through this substance or this activity or whatever the case might be. Is that what you're Yes, absolutely. So in other words, it's it's much it's a it's a layer deeper than just I'm feeling stress or distress or anxiety and I've therefore I'm, I'm moving into something that will alleviate that. Um, I'm actually I'm actually m- more aware of the particular 
triggers, the particular things that may be driving me in the moment. I'm really, I'm really worried about. I'm looking. I'm worried about looking like a fool at this presentation that I have at the at the board meeting coming up. Um, ha, has a person slowed down enough to really to identify that? Mm-hmm. In other words, going a lot further than just I need to need to avoid this behavior or stop this behavior, but getting you know getting beneath uh, and and in a sense knowing themselves in the moment and then not that that becomes an endpoint in and of itself like self-awareness is not the endpoint in and of itself but that becomes a pivot point then to actually engage with the Lord and say I really am nervous about this presentation and I'm tempted right now to go and kind of obliterate that anxiety with a couple drinks uh, or more um would you meet me in this now, Lord? Uh, would I know your presence and your comfort and, and your peace? Um, so it becomes a, a mm. potential pivot point then to engage with the Lord in the moment. Mm. Wait, so waking up and, and naming the, the current state, the current anxiety, the current desire, the current mm-hmm. here is the, the stress I'm feeling in order to bring it to the Lord. I, I bring things more effectively to the Lord in prayer and in crying out for help. When I know what I'm crying out for help for, when I understand it is the presentation that is stressing me out right at this moment, um, that that is a much more effective thing to engage than, oh, I need to be careful uh, because work is stressful. And so therefore I have a job and how can I even avoid stress in my right. work? And Okay, that makes sense. And I think that there's also another pivot point that happens there too is then people who are struggling with addictions also become more aware of others around them. So their their self-awareness leads hopefully to them engaging with the Lord, but then, then they also are more able and willing to engage with the people around them. Actually being able to articulate, this is what my experience was earlier today to, you know, to a friend or roommate or, or spouse. Because oftentimes people have become closed off, particularly, again, in in more life-dominating addictions. Uh, Their world closes in, their relationships close in, and they don't have, in one sense, a reference point outside themselves. Right. And, And I feel like you're highlighting something we touched on significantly in our last conversation, which is just the power of the church to help and and how much it is a um, how much is the benefit to everyone, but especially to the person struggling, to be able to say, here is how you can pray for me, not just in behaviors, but in my heart. Here's the thing that is weighing on me, not just yes. pray that I don't mess up again today, mm-hmm. but I am, I'm weighted down by this. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think that maybe that's one of the first things that comes to mind as I as I think about walking alongside those who are struggling with addictions, helping them wake up in a sense, know themselves, uh, and and then orient themselves toward the Lord. But I think a second place um, is helping people grow in tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Um, Psalm thirty four eight. Um, helping them in a sense if if. The, if waking up is more about knowing yourself, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good is growing in your relationship with God, growing in um, seeing God is good and, and tasting. You know, when we when we think about taste, it is it's not monodimensional. Mm-hmm. We taste salty, sweet, 
savory, bitter, sour. I think I got them all. Uh, <laughs> is, um, is salsa one of the flavors? So, well, salsa, salsa incorporates a lot of them. Yeah, okay. yeah. Salsa is a, a sixth. Okay. Um, but that, so sometimes our experience of God can be, particularly in the midst of addictions, can be very mono-dimensional, bland. Um, so what what can it look like for someone? And this is, I mean, again, this is true for all of us. All of us need to grow in tasting and seeing that the Lord is is good. I mean, I think that's really, the psalmist is really talking about the affections there. You know, the, in, where, what do I love? Where do I run? What makes my heart skip a beat? Um, is it the Lord or is it something else? So I think that, that's a, a place I, I think is important to take people as well. Mm. It, it's interesting. I um, remember hearing you talking about that some time ago in some teaching you were doing on addictions and just being struck by the simplicity of, of that idea, just tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. It's not, it's not like, oh, you know, like if you have some good dessert, like that's going to be better than your desire for alcohol or heroin. Or it, but, but there is something about receiving mm-hmm. that which you can taste and see and touch and smell, um, uh, you know, even just the sunlight on your skin and the warmth yeah. of that. There's something about receiving it as a personal gift and mm-hmm. having it be evidence to your very senses that the Lord is good, um, that has a, a powerful reorienting effect on your cognition and on your emotion, and yeah. and that is a, a direct counterbalance to the idea that I must go feel better this way. I mm-hmm. must go have this great experience that is where my my life is. And I think in a related way, I've, I've often found myself in the face of addictions talking about um, the end of Colossians 2, beginning of Colossians 3, where at the end of Colossians 2, Paul is saying, you know, you've got you've got this teaching out there, this worldly wisdom that has it does have an appearance of wisdom. It's do not mm-hmm. handle, do not taste, do not touch. You no, know, stay away, avoid these sort of quote unquote corrupting you know situations or temptations or substances or whatever. And he said this kind of teaching has the appearance of wisdom with its harsh treatment of the body, but has no value in restraining sensual indulgence. It's to yeah. to simply sort of. Uh, withdraw from the world and from its sensory experiences is not the answer to temptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes instead in the first bit of, of Colossians 3 and says, Christ is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will be with him in glory. Set your mind on what things are above. And and that phrase, Christ is your life, feels like it's, as I'm hearing you say that, I think mm-hmm. that phrase has been filling a similar role to taste and see that the Lord is good, yeah. of just Think about, well, well, what is your life? Um, how would you answer the question, what is your life? What's what's at the core of your life? Mm-hmm. And uh, for anyone who's struggling significantly with a pattern of behavior or substances or whatever, uh, if they're honest, they're going to answer, you know, it's it's my pornography. It's my alcohol. It's the escape. It's, it's mm-hmm. the connection I feel on Facebook. It's whatever. It's that, that thing that draws me in. That's when you think about what is my life, it's, well, that's the thing I think about. That's the thing I run toward all the things yeah, you were just saying. Is right. another way of saying that. Um, and where do I spend my time? Where do my thoughts run? And when I have a moment, that sort of, of thing, what do I daydream about? What am I orienting my schedule around getting back to? And and just the idea that that we want that to be Christ. And, and not in some sort of weird, um, you know, hyper-religious, I only ever read my Bible all day Saturday kind of thing, but just all of life would be oriented around Christ is my my life. And I feel like your 
saying, taste and see that the Lord is good is such a richly practical, tangible way to do that. Like looking mm-hmm. for that, how can I taste that Christ is good right now in the next 10 minutes? The answer will be something. There will be something you can right. do in the next 10 minutes uh, that will have something to bring home to your body and soul that God is good. Um, most of us don't look for that most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you're highlighting a number of things that come to mind. Uh, for me, uh, I'm thinking of Thomas Chalmers, the, the Scottish minister uh, in the mid-1800s, talking about the expulsive power of a new affection, that we don't, in a sense, grow so much by saying, you know, highlighting the badness of the things that uh, ensnare us, but highlighting the, the goodness and the glory and the beauty of the Lord and being drawn to him in a positive way. And that comes as we, as we linger in Scripture and as we ask God to reveal himself as good and gracious and loving. Uh, it comes as we, as we experience, as, as you said a few minutes ago, a, a good meal. And we connect that pleasure with... Uh, a God who does care <laughs> about us and and giving us those those simple pleasures. I think all, it's it's sort of like needing to fight fire with fire, so to speak, with addictions. That if it it has to be more than just this is a this is a cognitive battle. You know, like I I bring these propositional truths to bear. It where do they actually have hands and feet and and real flesh and blood um, kinds of kinds of moments where I'm again connecting those to the Lord that I think is all involved in taste and see that the Lord is good keep going you said you had another category yeah well, I think maybe one one other thing in in one sense so fighting well in a sense yeah. fighting Fighting well is another. So that just the practical day to day. What is that? Uh, what does that fight uh, against addictions look like? Um, and I think pr- probably several things come to to mind there. One is uh, not uh, living in darkness, but walking in the light. Uh, in in the sense of being upfront with people about how you're struggling, um, being being honest. I mean, the the struggle with addictions is a is a struggle with both self deceit and and deceiving others. So, a really important uh, aspect of growth is honesty and transparency uh, with others. Um, I, heard, I heard a minister say once that uh, sometimes we put just enough on the table that we keep people from looking underneath the table, mm-hmm. and so can we be more honest? Uh, and, and if I'm a person who's walking alongside someone struggling with addictions, am I willing to ask the hard questions and, and pursue that brother or sister uh, with, with a loving, probing kind of question? So that would be, that'd be one thing. Um, I think failing well is another aspect. Um, the struggle particularly if it's been a life-dominating kind of addiction, the general pattern is it, it, it's, taking, it's going to take time and there, there'll, be, there'll be relapses, there'll be failures. But what happens when the person fails? You know, does that become an occasion for them to dive back in full force into their addiction? Or does it hopefully become an opportunity to say, well, yep, yeah, I did 
you know, I did slip here. Um, I did sin in this way, but I want to turn. I want to turn back now. So, failure is an opportunity to to turn rather than to go back and, in a sense, wallow in and and go deeper into the addiction. Would be another, uh, I think, another theme or another thing that I would want to highlight with someone. Yeah, it, I I really appreciate that, Mike, because it, there's such a um, there's such a fine line to walk in one sense, although if it's, it's, it's a line that can only be walked with the right heart. And if you're walking with the right heart, you are going to walk it well. And if, if you're not, it doesn't matter how close you get to the line, you're going to slip on one side or the other. And the one side of the line is this sort of self-defeating, self-beating up, I'm completely worthless and I need to uh, heap guilt and shame upon myself in, in such a way that tends to lead either towards uh, despair and isolation and that's not what anyone actually is even hoping for for you and usually that does tend to then snuggle back into just well if i'm defeated what what's the difference i might mm-hmm. as well just plunge back in full force um, but on the flip side there's there can also be a, a minimizing it's like well yes i did you know i slipped or i fell or even even i remember one time someone once saying you know said uh, something like yeah i fell back into into sin this week and and then sort of like pausing being like no, I actually uh, ran, jumped, climbed over the fence, <laughs> and beat up the guards to get my way into sin yeah. this week. And I thought that was it was helpful to mm. recognize that there's such an activeness to mm-hmm. most addictive behaviors, especially any that have been, as you said, life dominating. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a there's a way in which if you are the the friend or the spouse of the person who's like, well, I slipped, but you know, the Lord is good. There can be a sense of minimizing that yeah. you hear, and and so with the right heart to say. I gave in to temptation and all that is within me cries out against it, including the fact that I actually maybe don't even feel as guilty as I know I should. And I, mm-hmm. I'm grieved by that. Mm-hmm. And I want to change and to grow here. And I've made apologies before and I don't want to, I'm not asking anyone to, to believe my uh, words, uh, um, but I am asking for people to help me mm-hmm. walk in a different way. And I, this inspires me to further transparency and honesty and uh, willingly embracing restrictions on my life. I, I want to cut off my hand yeah. uh, to keep myself from this mm-hmm. this pattern. And I just, that's a, it's an easy line to articulate. It's such a hard line to actually walk out uh, week in and week out. Mm-hmm. But but I, he, I hear you emphasizing the, rea- like, if, if your standard is um, once clean, always clean, no relapse is possible. And if there is any relapse, then it defeats all the value right. of having done anything. You know, if, if, it's, if it's complete reset to zero, mm-hmm. if I ever struggle or fall in the slightest way, um, there's no hope for any of us. We all fall right. into sin on a regular basis, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't minimize the fact that some sins have much more grievous impact than others. And you, right. you can't just whitewash everything. Well, I was... I was a little bit lazy again yesterday versus I did heroin like has a different impact. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I think maybe even one other thing in relation to what we were just talking about is being really guarding yourself um, against, if you will, um, micro steps toward uh, towards your addiction. Like kind of the the. I mean, it's related, I think, to self-deceit, kind of like, well, this gets through my conscience. This kind of passes through. So, yeah, maybe I'm not 
Uh, I'm not looking at pornography, but I'm kind of looking at these swimsuits lingering longer than I should in this particular catalog. Well, that's on the road. And can I be honest about that? And can I realize that that's, that's actually not going to move me in a, in a positive direction? That's not moving me towards tasting and seeing that the Lord right. is good. And, and to be able to speak that to your brothers or sisters and just say, man, I am really... I'm seeing the signs, you know, like I haven't, I haven't gone and looked at stuff online, which I'm glad to say, but I am aware of even just like how my heart is responding to the commercial I saw last night in the middle of the game or something that just acknowledges, I I feel the momentum building in a bad direction, even Mm -hmm. if nothing uh, that, you know, uh, nothing overtly terrible Mm -hmm. has yet occurred. um, I, I, I feel that my heart is being tugged here. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and like I love that word micro steps in the wrong direction mm-hmm. and on the flip side celebrating even micro steps on the right direction that's right you know there there was um, there was growth in me this week I turned away from something that I wouldn't have turned away from last week and uh, it didn't mean that my heart was in a great space for a lot of the week but I saw this greater desire to fight I saw this greater turning I, this this thing has less appeal to me mm-hmm. um, even micro changes at the level of my desires are the work of the Spirit to be rejoiced in. Absolutely. And so that it, you're not just focusing on, if you will, just the behavior. As, as critical as that is and as destructive as that can be to the person and to those around them, I'm also looking for changes at the level of attitude and, and heart. And that's, I think, really critical. Yeah. Well... There's a thousand more hours we could say about the devastation wreaked by these things, and we don't mean to, in 20 minutes, say we have tried to cover the, the fact that lives are destroyed mm-hmm. on these things, and yet I think it's it's utterly vital to recognize the worst destruction ever wreaked by the most horrific addictive patterns and the things that come with that and support that. Um, they begin as these little, tiny, imperceptible uh, shifts of the heart in direction and uh, the the path towards life and hope and health and, and healing and community and fellowship um, are going to be battles that are going to have to be fought at these micro moments. Uh, nobody is exempted from that, even when there are wonderful, sweet moments of, mm-hmm. of sudden turning and change. So, uh, Mike, would you just pray for, uh, for us as a church universal as we mm. combat this? Sure. Lord, uh, we, we are all people who struggle um, to say no uh, to desires that, um, that are antithetical to your, uh, your, des- your desires and designs for our lives. We pray for, for ourselves. We pray for our brothers and sisters uh, in, in whom those desires have become so unruly uh, and life-dominating that they, they have brought uh, devastation on their own lives and those that they love. You would give us um, wisdom and love and compassion to move uh, toward them. And would you... Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, be pleased to bring redemption uh, far as the curse is found. And we thank you that we have hope that you do just that uh, in, in the hardest of places. And we thank you in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.
Obviously, there's a lot more to say about counseling people who are struggling with addictions. Um, we thought one resource that might be especially helpful would be a talk given at our national conference on addictions by Winston Smith called Counseling Strategies for Individuals with Addictions. I imagine you can see how that might be relevant to our conversation from today. That will be right below the link on our website for today's podcast. Our website is ccef.org podcast and just enter the code podcast at checkout. It will be free until we post the next episode. If you have questions or, or comments and uh, anything like that in the wake of today's conversation, please feel free to email us at podcast at ccef.org. Till next time, blessings. Blessings.